Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. At Navy Federal, you can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash Carbine. All right, today we're talking to Canadian Army and Navy veteran Bruno Gevermont. Bruno, thanks for being here today from the land of up north, our great <laughs> neighbors to the north of us. It's always good to have a Canadian back on the show. So before we get to talking about some of this cool stuff you're doing these days, take us back, tell us what you were doing in the Canadian Army and eventually finished up in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, Joe. And, and you know, and, and being on this show, the Veterans on a Move, is just a great name too, right, for all these vets and, and people transitioning out. But um, to start with it, I uh, joined the Canadian Army in 1999. I was looking for a sense of purpose, direction in my life. And, you know, everybody says, join the military, right? They'll give you yeah. some skills, they'll show you direction, discipline, all these things. And they did not lie, right? One of our slogans when I joined was, uh, do more before 5.30 than most people do all day. <laughs> so uh, there was an so, old army recruiting commercial that, that said that i think it was like do more but we do more before 9 a.m than everybody does, most everybody exactly does. right so and they didn't lie did they joe nope they didn't <laughs> no they didn't lie so um i joined the military i first joined the army uh became a uh, weapons technician so an armorer i believe down in the states and mm. uh and then um uh, then went for a selection became a paratrooper with the airborne and uh continue my career on that uh the, the military did show me so many things that i um i needed uh for discipline for structure for confidence uh for giving me direction on what to do mm -hmm. and i did my first tour with the army over in afghanistan in 2003 and kabul with the isaf right international security assistance force i work with the americans down there the, the brits and everything and it was really really exciting you, you know you it's like being a sports athlete, right? You train all your career and then that's the big show going on tours and getting to do actually your job. When I came back, uh, there was a little bit of a lull. So I decided to seek new adventures and I decided to go on selection to become a Navy uh, diver, which up here in Canada, we call Clarence divers. It's a mix of EOD divers, salvage diver, rescue divers, because we're a smaller military, we kind of got one, one stop shop there. Uh -huh. And, um, and then that led me to become um, part of uh, counter IED teams. And uh, my second tour was part of dismantling um, IEDs, working once again with the Americans, uh, the Brits, New Zealand, Australia, and being called every day. And we dismantled over uh, 100 IEDs um, mm. in, in, in seven months that we were there. One day we did nine. And uh, yeah, yeah, nine IEDs on one day. And then uh, actually, I did the, uh, the first uh, Canadian uh, before and since uh, to do a live suicide bomber, dismantle a live suicide bomber, wearing the vest and everything over in Kandahar. Really? So it was quite exciting. Like, did they, did they have a change of heart and decided not? Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> right? Every time I say that, people want to know. So basically, um, when you get a call, right, you all, you know, you get the call from uh, either the ANF or the, um, the, the police, right? And they call our center and it's two translators and they tell you, like one day we got a call, two missiles under a bridge. We get there, there's no bridge. It's two landmines and you're in the middle of a landfield. 
and you know it's it's not there so usually when we would get a call about the suicide uh, bomber actually my first first call in theater uh, when i got there was three suicide bombers that had detonated in a market and it was just that way it was either they were detonated or they were already dead had been shot or something like that and we just needed to deal with the vest mm -hmm. so that day you're expecting the same you're kind of running the scenario through your head and we get there and we see two men holding this suicide bomber with the switches dangling from his arm and they're holding his wrist and that was the um afghan uh secret police right the uh, dns i think they called it and uh, and I was like, whoa, this is whoa, this is totally different. So preservation of life. So we, uh, we I sent um, I went down there with some zap strap with zap strap. I evacuated the 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 area and then I went to work. Wow. And uh, what we found out, which actually cha changed a, a few things for me, uh, is once I dismantled the vest and we did the uh, debt safety and everything on it, is that um, the guy was uh, mentally mentally challenged. Uh, he had been fasted and been coerced. And if you didn't do this, we're going to kill your family, basically. And mm. uh, he was going for uh, President Karzai's brother, one of the governors. So, um, and then after that, you know, we gave him to the intelligence and they kind of gathered what they, they needed to do. But uh, it was quite the call. <laughs> it was quite something. Mm. And, um, and then, so I finished my career, obviously coming back from there. The, uh, the, the hardest one was the IEDs that we didn't get to. Mm -hmm. We lost a lot of brothers, a lot of uh, Americans, a lot of Canadians and, and coalition fighters. And um, that kind of took its toll, uh, right? Showing up on scenes where they had blown up a, a school, right? Mm -hmm. Or something like that. And it's uh, when I came back from, from my tour, um, I got injured, right? I was injured um, with invisible injury of post-traumatic stress. And uh, obviously the toll of all of that, of being a paratrooper and everything, uh, other uh, physical injuries, and in the Canadian uh, military at that time, which was 2012, um, if you're no longer deployable, you're no longer employable and they would release you and you were right. on your way. And uh, that was a difficult, difficult time. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you spend 15 years or how many years you're in there and the, the forces around the world, the military is at the best at conditioning you to get to do the job that needs to be done, which reframes your identity and when you come out, everybody's speaking different language. Everybody dresses the same, the different. Nobody's operating the way that you've been operating for all these years. Right. And you're totally lost. You're yeah. like, you, you know, how do I say this, right? The, the, the dark humor we use to get through hard times, the way that we say, hey, man, you know, shake it off and just keep moving, soldier on, all of these things. People are looking at you and you're mm -hmm. like, man, you're a little bit weird, right? Just as something that's showing up on, uh, on time or showing up early. Right for us, if you're if you're if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, right? Exactly. Right. So uh, so the transition. So that was my career. I had a beautiful career. Um, it created some really good skills and habits in me that I still carry on today. And um, and yeah, and now transitioning and doing what we do out um, uh, is Cover, talk a little bit about initially when you were first transitioning out, kind of uh, unexpectedly, you know, in. Uh, so you probably hadn't prepared too much. What what were some of the things you you dealt with, and some of the some of the good, the bad, and the ugly in your transition? Yeah, it, exactly. So let's 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 start with the ugly. Uh, like I was saying, it's the identity. Your identity is basically saying, "Thank you very much for your service. Here you go. Go back home. And now what? 
right? So you're starting to look, I was looking at being a police officer, firefighter, paramedic, something that was paramilitary, kind of had the same structure, another uniform, another kind of like brotherhood that you would, you would use your skills. But um, with the injuries that I had, um, police uh, forces and everything weren't going to hire somebody that was, was released for post-traumatic. You know, you needed to be honest about your medical uh, situation and everything. So um, there was a time when I was, uh, you know, I'll be honest, because I think that that's uh, the whole part about this conversation is that I was stuck in my living room. What am I going to do now? What do you, what kind of work is out there for a guy that jumps out of plane, dives under waters and blows stuff up? Right. How do you translate that in civilian skills? Right. You can actually now today, I know. <laughs> but yeah. the thing is, is that at that time and when you're approaching people and you don't you, you're explaining to them and we've never thought to uh, express our needs and our wants because we were always told that. Right. I'll tell you when to show up. I'll tell you what to wear. I'll tell you what to eat. I'll tell you all these things. And if you have any complaints about this, suffer in silence. Right. right. So how do we express? How do we go get the help we need? How do we find ourselves after did you just dropped right there? And uh, that was the time where I decided to reinvent myself, basically. And um, I started asking the question, what was I doing on a daily basis that got me to the level that I was at in the forces? And that was waking up early, morning PT, eating well, taking care of the body. And then having a structure and um, everything was timed in the military. This is, you know, old group. This is, you know, Reveille. This is what it is. So I started structuring my days like this. And I started, uh, what, what can I do? What are my skills? Where are my skills transferable? And once again, you know, <laughs> being EOD and counter IED, uh, how does that approach? But the thing is, is that um, when you ask people now in the corporate world, um, what are you looking for in employees? They're looking for people with direction, with purpose, who wants to belong, that are loyal to the company, uh, that are not going to quit the minute that it's, it's hard. Basically, I'm, des I'm describing a veteran. Mm. I'm describing somebody who's going to show up on time. Somebody who's going to turn out. Somebody who's going to fight for uh, the mission success, right? But isn't it interesting, the things you just described are what we refer to as soft skills, but when, but no soft skills manage to make it onto a resume. And so companies tend to hire off of hard skills, CPA, this certification, Microsoft engineer, whatever. And then, then they kind of look for the soft skills second. Um, but what you're, what you're doing and what you what companies have started to figure out is the soft skills. Maybe the, maybe the hard skills are, are assumed but the, what's really going to make it work is if this person has the soft skills to go along with it. Exactly. That's the whole point, right? Because, you know, there's a saying out there, and I believe it was coined by uh, the Navy SEALs down in the States. You won't rise to the situation. You'll fall to the level, the highest level of your training, right? So basically, if you've only gone to school and you've only gone these things and you got that degree, like you were saying, which is nothing back about it. But if we're going to stay in the topic of what we're talking about, these soft skills, how is this person going to react to stressful, challenging situation if they've never been put in one? Right. Right. So, but for us, which we take, like you said, which we take for granted, right? The military says, you know, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. 
Well, when I was going for the police selection and going through all the testing and everything, and I showed up for my ride along 20 minutes early, the guy at the front desk didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> He's like, what are you here? I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here for my ride along. He says, yeah, but it doesn't start till another 20 minutes. And I was shocked that he would say that. <laughs> right? I was like, well, isn't that a good thing? Like he said, well, sit there, I guess, because usually people show up on time or late. Right. Right. Which is accepted today, which blows my mind. Right. When I work for big corporations like Lululemon or the big corps uh, up here and they're saying, yeah, we're struggling with our teams. How do we get team creation and everything? And I see people walking in late. They're on their phone during meetings. There are all these things. And I'm like, who's driving this boat? <laughs> yeah. Right. Be, be the one veteran in the movie that calls people out for showing up late or pulling their phone out. Then you're the disgruntled veteran. Right. Right. They're saying, what's wrong with you, man? Just, you know, just chill. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it. So um, when I transitioned out, uh, one of the things that I was doing was working out to get uh, better at my health and everything. And then some people suggested I'd, I've been in the fitness industry uh, since I was 14 and I had my degrees in that and everything. And I decided to open my gym. So I opened a gym and um and it became very successful, actually. Uh, it, uh, it was running. It was a place for veterans to go, for people struggling, for first responders, for stay-at-home moms. And we really made build this community. But at the beginning, Joe, I had a hard time with clients showing up late for classes, showing up late for their appointment, uh, the excuses that were coming out. It was really a hard transition to really wrap your brain around and understanding people's behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the saying that says how you do anything you do, it's how you do everything. Mm -hmm. um, it was like I started, you know, coaching my community on, well, you want this. Why do you want this promotion at work? Why are you struggling in your relationship? It's because you show up late. You, you don't care about things. You, you don't have a strong foundation mm -hmm. in your daily habits. So how can we put that on? How can we change things that will work for you? Yeah. And talk about uh, <clears throat> talk about some of the companies a little bit more longer list, but some of the companies you have been working with um, within what you're doing with them. Right. So uh, basically, I, I I did some uh, contract with uh, Lululemon. Right. So if uh, guys over everybody knows, you know, it's the the yoga uh, apparel company started here in Canada and Vancouver, and they're very, um, you know, their their mission statement is all about. Um, preserving the earth and you know the the yoga mentality and everything but now that it's public it's a corporation they need to reach quotas they need to make money they need to do these things and there's kind of like this little incongruency within the company because the people that they hire with the culture is these yogis these people that want to hug each other be nice be all these things and uh, but the higher ups, the corporation, they're expanding. They're saying we need to reach this. And how come that? that? So um, so they kind of called me up and say, Bruno, can you come in? And I knew one of the, the managers uh, uh, that was uh, dealing with the region. And they said, can we come and help this team? And uh, Joe, as you know, I walked in and I asked, what do you guys want? What's the mission statement? And. I had 12 employees plus the three supervisors, and they said uh, I had 15 different direction. And yes, there's one mission statement. It's on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I looked at the supervisor and I said, do you see what's happening here? 
And uh, basically, it's about the stories that people tell. That some of them um, weren't understanding why quotas, why making money if we're here to um, to to help the planet. And how does it? I don't want Chip, the owner, right, the the, the creator of. Uh, I don't want him to get another house or another Mercedes. And I said, you're willing to stay in debt, or you know, make a, a little amount of money just so that he he's going to get it anyway. So why don't you start? creating your own environment within the team. And so what I did was work with them to create, understand building goals for themselves, building a structure, building discipline, basically basic training, right? And mm -hmm. asking them, what do you really want? What do you need to make, to achieve that? And how can you measure it? Once they understood stood it at the foundation of their own personal lives, then I said, okay, guys, let's do it for the, for the store. Let's do it for the store. And then they did it and built this plan. And I was hired in Q3 to get them ready for Q4. And they actually finished Q3 with 109% over their quarter, like 9% over the quarter. Wow. And they weren't going to reach it, but they understood. And half of that team is now a manager of a store somewhere else. They yeah. were just, I'm not saying just, they were at a floor position. And because of learning how to build gold and instilling discipline and structure, which we take in the military for granted, they got oh, this is what I want. I'm going to set this mission. This is what I want. Now I can achieve so much more. Wow. Um, so that's just an example. And yeah, I really love doing that. Bruno, hold that thought. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. We bought a few cars with Navy Federal over my 31 years as a member with their fully loaded car buying experience. Let me tell you, when you become a member of Navy Federal Credit Union, life gets better. You can finance, buy, protect, and enjoy your auto purchase all through one convenient place. They have low rates and pre-approval that's good for 90 days, so you know what you can afford while you shop. You can save thousands off MSRP with Navy Federal's car buying service powered by TrueCar. You can also get exclusive member savings with Carfax, Geico, and SiriusXM. They're always available with 24-7 member service representatives to answer any questions. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash carbine. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Your actual savings off MSRP may vary. Navy Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. All right, back talking with Bruno Gevermont from the Canadian Army and eventually Canadian Navy. Uh, Bruno, I want to go back just a little bit to one of the stories you're telling when you're working with uh, the the yoga company, I believe it was. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a little lemon. Some of the employees actually told you that they didn't want to work too hard or do too much good because it would make the company more money. And then the owner of the company would just be able to go buy a new house. Right. Like, <laughs> first of all, I can't believe somebody would actually admit, like admit to that's how they were thinking, but interesting way of looking at things. It is. And, and, and that's the thing you got to understand that, right. When you do the studying um, and you, you research human behaviors, the thing is, is that behind every behavior, there's a positive intention, no matter what. You just got to find that. Right. And the thing is, is that today's generation we're going to talk about and, and I don't like labels, but for the uh, purpose of understanding what we're talking about, you know, millennials, Gen Z and all these things, the behaviors and the reasons why they're working now for corporations or they're being out there are different drivers. They have different drivers than the CEOs and the management of the boomers and the the Gen, the Gen X like I was. Right. Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that back then, a lot of guys joined for the status, the gold watch, the pension, the all that, you know, that would make me I'm going to climb the ladder, I'm going to go up there, 
Now there's a few things that are different. The, the new generation is joined. They want to be part of something bigger than them. They want to work for a cause and they want to have way more freedom than just being chained to a desk. And also there's a few myths that are there. When the CEO joined the company, he started, you used to hear, hear that, Joe, I'm proud of I started in the mailroom and made my way up. There's an expectation now because of parents and everybody that if you go to, you know, Harvard, Yale, all these things that you're going to get out with this degree, you're going to be a CEO because they're seeing the Mark Zuckerbergs, they're all these guys, they're, you know, made it straight up. Mm-hmm. And everybody does that expectation. But there's a bridge there. There's a big gap. One is that the companies are expecting you to come in and know everything right now. Be fully experienced. Work your way out. Here's your desk. Start working now. So back then, when the CEO joined, somebody took them under their wing and mentored them all the way up. Right? So there's this little difference. And when I ask CEOs, it says, who's mentoring your new teams? No, 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 man. They're coming in. They got to work. We got to move fast. We got to break things. Let's go. We got these things to reach. The new generation isn't used to that. They're, they don't want any of it. So that's why there's a lot of turnaround. And there's this story is that we're not here to make money. We want to be a bigger cause. We want to work for the environment. We want to do this. So let's go back to Lululemon. They're, the people that they hire, the culture is yogis. People who hug trees, who want to be in nature, who want to be friends with everybody. And when you say, hey, you need to come in and reach this quota every month or every quarter or whatever, they're saying, why, man? Why Why would I do that? It it doesn't mean anything. So basically, when I went in, I went and I found out how to change and reframe the language around that. What does it mean to you if you show up and you reach your quota? Right, because some of them were students who had student loans, and I'm saying you're wearing, you're willing to be broke, just so that the the higher ups, the corporate, doesn't get their extra Mercedes or anything. I said, how is that working with you? <laughs> and so I said, don't you want to travel? Don't you want to pay your debts? Don't you want to do these things? They said, of course. So basically, I brought them to figure out what do you want, what do you need, and how can we measure it? And they started doing that, and then after that, it was just this changing the language. And so when I go into companies and I consult, I change the language, the approach to the management um, division, to the CEO on how to reach that. And then to also the employees, what does it mean for you to work for this company? Was it difficult getting some of the employees to come around? Of course, of course. Some people are really caught up in their stories, right? They're really caught up in the reason of what it is. So you need to find, it's a belief. Beliefs and values are the strongest, strongest thing that we have. It's what made you join the military, Joe. It's what made me join the military, right? We want to defend what we got. We want to make this world a better place. And that's what makes us charge a machine gun nest or jump out of plane or drive helicopters and do what we, we need to do. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that you got to change their beliefs. You got to reframe that using their language, using their values and their beliefs. But in today's world, we're moving so fast that people don't want to spend the time, right? It's, it's just as simple as saying like to, this, to the management, I said, do you sit down with your employees maybe one time a quarter or maybe once a month and ask them, how can we improve this business? How can we make things better? Or how can we help you? Because a lot of people are asking, there's a lot of turnovers. And I said, when you do an exit interviews, what are they telling you? Why are they leaving? 
Well, it's for more money. And I said, well, I really doubt that. But what else? Well, they weren't challenged enough. And I said, did you offer opportunities to be challenged? Mm-hmm. And they said, well, Bruno, I got so many meetings. I said, well, meet with them and ask them and have a whiteboard and write what it is, right? If, if uh, Linda comes in and says, on Mondays, we should all wear yellow shirts. Uh, you, you know, as a CEO, you're like, oh my God, yellow shirts. How is that going to help? The-? It doesn't matter. Write it on the whiteboard. What does that indicate? That you've listened to them, you've heard them, and you value their opinion. You wrote it on the whiteboard and, and you come down. So people are going to come up with ideas. And then as peers, you say, which one of these can we action that's actually going to give us into the, and between peers, it gets decided. Then they go back home and they put on Facebook and Instagram and everything and every medium that they're using. Man, I, they took my idea today or my company really listens to me and I'm being challenged and I can come up with this. At the end of the day, the management and the CEO still makes the decision whether they implement or not. But it shows that you listen. One of the things that I miss from the military is leaders and mentors and people that actually cared for you and ask you, you know, hey, how are you doing today? And this is what we got to do. And what's your input? And as you get, Joe, you know that as you get in higher tiers, like we're talking about special forces and everything, rank structure disappears because everybody's part of the team. We're all going to go to this door. We're all going to jump in. We're all going to dive. We're all going to do these things. How do you think that we should approach this obstacle, this mission, right? So it's about implementing that and getting the, the talking, the, the, the back and forth of doing it. Some big companies are actually now adopting reverse mentoring. Really? Which is pretty cool. So the, the higher-ups in the companies are now hiring, uh, going to see the new uh, members of the company, so the younger generation, to uh, mentor them on the culture, on how to, you know, how can we improve? How do you do things? What can we do better? And all these things. So there's reverse mentoring going on. And there's an exchange of skills and passing work ethics and all these things. And these companies are doing really well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, Bruno, you said you wanted to talk about Invictus. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So um, the Invictus games were created by Prince Harry over in 2014. They were actually based, he got the idea off the Warrior Games down in the United States when he was invited once to go see that. Uh And I believe that both here in Canada, we're actually starting the Valor Games now uh, based on that as well, because the power of those platforms is incredible. We're talking about um, opportunities for um, guys and girls that are stuck in their living room, that are struggling to transition, what we were talking about. And um, we both know that moving physically uh, is good for you. It gets you to create some momentum in your life. And those platforms, the Warrior Games and the Invictus Games, gives you the opportunity to go back and be back with your team of people that are talking the same language, understand where you've been, you know, people, members of the team started to work out again, their family lives transformed, starting eating better. And you get the chance to wear your country's flag on your shoulder and represent it on a world stage. Um, the Invictus Games and the Warrior Games are, are I believe for me, was uh, a, a godsend. It was really quite the experience. Wow. What kind of, what kind of sports or events are veterans competing in? Yeah, so we, it's mostly like the Olympics. So we got indoor rowing. Um, it got, uh, it's got archery. It's got track and field. It's got swimming. It's got cycling. 
Um, it's got a whole uh, power lifting, everything, and is adapted for people with invisible and physical injuries. Mm. So you got different classes and everything because everybody knows that the Paralympics were started by uh, veterans, right? It was yeah. for the military, for the veterans coming back from the war. Right. Right. And uh, a lot of people don't know that history, but that's what it is. And then it got taken over and it went to its way. So now the Invictus Game Warrior games are kind of like this. Let's do it again for the veterans. That's awesome. And yeah. I do have a, out of curiosity, <clears throat> just take a minute or two to talk about what it's like working for Tony Robbins. <laughs> First of all, there's a wealth of knowledge there. Uh, it was quite the, um, that was another big step in, in, in my life to understand. I was really struggling once again with the understanding the world outside the military. Mm -hmm. And, but I had an affinity with leadership and people wanted to hear more. And I did a, I had done a, um, an expedition to the North Pole and it took me seven days to get there and pulling my stuff. And then I was wanted to, to, to really understand how can we apply our skills from the military to the civilian world. I just didn't have the language or the affinity, the ear for it. And um, I was a big fan of Tony Robbins. So I decided to take all of his training, um, all of his seminars um, and all this stuff. And then at one point, the opportunity shows up to um, the first thing that happened is that the company called me up because I was going to Fiji for uh, health and wealth. And they asked me to uh, journal a video vlog, my experience over there. And uh, that was my first introduction to working for the company. And then after that, I got the opportunity to uh, coach and uh, be a leader over at Date with Destiny, which is my favorite uh, of his events. Uh, it's really transformational. And I got to uh, be in the saddle and actually start coaching uh, on a high level at that point. Uh, it was a great experience. He moves really fast. A lot of kind of military-like yeah. uh, kind of things. Yeah. That's awesome. Very well hey, organized. Um, hey, we're getting close to the end of our time. Um, somebody's interested in uh, looking to some of your coaching, consulting services. How would they find you? Uh, they would find me on uh, brunoguvermont.com. Uh, you know, you can reach out to me there at any time or on Facebook, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on there as well. And uh, reach out anytime. Even if you're a veteran out there transitioning, you have a few questions on what you could do and all these things. Just give me a call. Reach out to me. We'll, uh, awesome. we'll figure it out for you. All right. Last word. If you're talking to somebody who's getting ready to get out of the military, looking to get into business entrepreneurship, what kind of advice would you have for them? You have all the skills to be a high performers out there. Like I'm going to tell you a little secret. Sometimes we're not on, like I'm feeling like I'm only giving 50% and the companies are like, Oh my God, where have you been? Like, you're like just this superstar. <laughs> it's because we have high standards and all these things. Don't the skills that we have are perishable skills. Keep them sharp, get back to working out, get out there, use your skills and you're going to be in high demand for sure. Awesome. Well, Hey Bruno, Thanks for sharing your story. Um, awesome. Great success story and uh, look forward to your future success. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. You bet. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>